try to put some word into you, some truth into you. You know, the word is what changes us. All this up here is great. That's preparation to receive what we're about to receive. I'm going to read out of the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between cherubim. Look at verse 3. And they sat the ark of God upon what? A new cart. Keep that in mind brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, who were the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. Ahio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood and harps and psalteries and timbrels, cornets and cymbals. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And if you give me just a minute, I want to talk to you about a borrowed word. Lord, I love you. I love your word. I know this word is not an easy word to hear, but I feel you want to do something in the lives of people, God. You want them to have an experience for themselves. I pray that your word is already anointing, but anoint us, God, in this room. Anoint our ears and our hearts to receive your word, that we could grow. We could be like a tree planted beside the river. We would not be shaken. We could provide shelter and food for others, God, through the strength of our growth. I pray in this room that you would do something wonderful in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, because that's just how I have to be, and you were with me in Indiana Ladies Conference. I don't read the Bible like everybody else. I'm going to tell you straight up. And so um, I want to tell you the Bible is hard to hear sometimes. Is that okay? Sometimes I read a story and I'm like, what? And sometimes I read a story and I'm like, why? And sometimes I read a story and I just laugh. And that's okay because it's all in there. But this story's a little hard when I first read it, because I'm like, oh, come on, God. Here's Uzi, he's just trying to do something good. He didn't want your ark to fall in the dirt. Come on, God. You, you know, y'all don't talk to him like that. See, he lets me get away with it sometimes. But you see, when I got to studying this, I realized something. If you don't know the full story, if you don't know everything then you make an assumption about God. And you will make a decision based on your emotions or your feeling. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but the reason that the religious world is in such a mess is because of this very reason. They didn't want a mean God, so they made him a nice God. They didn't want a God who does have judgment in his spirit. They didn't want consequences. They wanted to make everything, everybody get along, everybody nice. The Lord good. People could act how they want, but God had to always be good. That's the kind of God they wanted. And so because of that, they begin to analogize the Bible and say, oh, it's not really real. And, and, and they did that based on their emotions and what they wanted God to be for them. But you see, there's something about 
reading it and understanding the full story, and then you go, oh, I get it. I get why you felt that had to happen. Because can I just tell you the rest of this story? Some of you are too young to remember Paul Harvey, but I'm going to be Paul Harvey tonight for all of us seniors and say the rest of the story. And the rest of the story goes like this. Uzzah was not an ordinary Israelite. Uzzah was not just of any old tribe. When you study Uzzah's lineage, he was a Levite of the tribe of Kohath. Well, that sounds wonderful, Sister Burton. What does that mean? Well, if you go back, when God told Moses to separate the Levites, all the other tribes were going to get land, all the other tribes were going to do something, but the Levites were separated unto him. They were his people. He provided for them. And so because the Levites were his people and he had separated them, he had separated them for the purpose of the ministry of the tabernacle. They were to do the work. They were to carry it. They were to set it up. They were to do the work and they were to take it down. Now, there was three branches of the Levites. You got time for a little Bible lesson? Gershon, Merari, and Kohath. These three main branches were each appointed to do something different in the tabernacle. Now, Uzzah and his family, remember, were of the tribe of Kohath. So when the tabernacle is getting all together, Moses has, according to the Lord, he told Moses, he said, I want all the princes, that means the heads of all the 12 tribes, they're going to bring some stuff. They're going to bring you some oxen. They're going to bring you some wagons. They're going to bring you some sheep. And all of that is going to be given to these three tribes so that they can do the work of the ministry. Got all that? So now we come to Numbers chapter 7, verses 4 through 9. This is after the princes have brought all this stuff. Moses is looking at all this stuff. This is what the Bible said. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take it of them, take all this stuff from the princes of Israel, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Thou shalt give them to the Levites, to every man according to his service. Verse 6, Moses took the wagons and the oxen, and he gave them to the Levites. Now, if we stopped there, we wouldn't understand this story. But verse 7, two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon, according to their service. Now, let me stop because we're going to find out. Gershon got two wagons and four oxen because he carried all the hangings and the coverings. He carried all the drapes and all the sheepskins and everything that covered and made it waterproof. So that's why he got two wagons, four oxen. Verse 8, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari, According to their service, and here's why he gave them that. Because they had the heavy stuff. They had the boards. They had the sockets. They had the poles. They had all the heavy stuff. So they needed more wagons. Is this very interesting to you? I thought this was very interesting. But look at verse 9. But unto the sons of Kohath, he gave what? gave what they didn't get a wagon they didn't get oxen 
Here's why. Look at the next part. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should what? Okay. Kohath didn't get any wagon. Kohath never had any wagon. Now, you got to understand the children of Israel. Back in this day, they didn't have Twitter and all that, just in case you didn't know that. But they had oral tradition. And that was why the Lord told them in Deuteronomy 6, 4, you say this every morning, you say this every time you go in your house, you say, because he knew they had to speak things over and over again because they didn't have it written down as much as you have it written down. And so, do you not think that the sons of Kohath were getting ready to pack up the tabernacle and they're like, Dad, why, why does Gerari have wagons and Mererai or Gershon and Mar- I can't say all those names. Why does Gershon and Mererai have wagons? We have no wagons because, son, we don't use wagons. We carry the service upon our shoulders. They knew how they were supposed to do it. So then I go back to this story and I make this statement and this thought. Where did Uzzah and Abinadab get a wagon? They were of the tribe of Kohath. The ark was in their house. Where'd they get a wagon? They borrowed a wagon. They went to the tribe of Merari. They went to somebody who was a Gershonite and said, hey, can we borrow your wagon? Why would you need to borrow a wagon to carry the ark of God? Can I just tell you? Because it's a lot easier to carry it on a wagon than it is to tote it on your shoulders for six miles from where it was to Jerusalem. Can I just tell you, there's too many people that come to church and want a convenient gospel. They want it to be easy. They want it to minister to what they want. They're not willing to pick it up and carry it on their shoulders. I, can I just tell you, can, I'm going to be me, okay? Might be my only shot, but I got to get you. A lot easier to wear a cross around your neck than to carry a cross on your back. And we have a lot of people in the world today that get up and hang a cross around their neck, but they never put it on their back. They never carry the word of God. They never bear what it should be. They've never been filled with his spirit. They've never truly, truly taken up the cross to follow him. I'm not dissing you for this, but I am saying you're going to have to carry it the way that God intended for it to be carried. You can't go borrowing somebody else's religion. You can't go borrowing somebody else's salvation. You can't borrow my praise. You can't borrow my prayer life. You can't borrow my healing. You're an awesome worship leader, sweetheart. Phenomenal. You can't borrow what she has. You, if you want it, you better go and say, I commit to this fully. Put it on my shoulders. I'll bear that testimony. borrowed wagon. Now, that's not the only thing that Uzzah and his family knew. Look at Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. 
when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the campus is set forward, after that, after Aaron does his part and covers it, the sons of Kohath shall bear it. But they shall not do what? Touch any holy thing lest they die. I don't know how any plainer God could have said it. It's like you tell your kid, you touch that, you're going to get a spanking. If you don't give them a spanking, you just taught them a lesson, a bad lesson. Don't say it if you ain't going to do it. Right? Because God wants you to understand his laws matter. His words matter. The things that he said count. It's not something we do to feel good. This is not my fellowship group. You're not my club that I go to. I come here because of the word of God, the truth of the word of God, the power of the word of God. I believe every word. I live every word. I carry every word. He said, don't touch it. These things are the burden of Kohath. Kohath could not even go in there and cover it. That's what the first part of this scripture is saying. After Aaron and his sons covered it up and got it ready and put the staves in it, then Kohath could enter the room. When? When did it go from Aaron and the sons of Kohath having the respect for the things of God to this day in Samuel where Uzzah's like, let's just borrow a wagon, throw it up on a wagon. We'll just tote it down. And then all of a sudden, well, I'll just keep it from falling. You see, he thought in his mind God would forgive him for that. God said, I can't because my word is settled. And I said, if you touch it, you're going to die. There are moments when the word is settled. And you know what you need to do? You need to yield to it. You need to obey it. You need to submit to it. You need to say, that's my life. Can I, I'm going to talk to you mamas for a minute, okay? And all you future mamas. Do not. Do not speak against your pastor in your church, to your children. Don't do it. Because you're teaching them to touch things that may kill them one day. That's not my law. That's not her law. That's not brother. Your pastor's law. That's God's law. He said, touch not my anointing lest you be slain. He said, hold on. There's some things that are sacred to me. And you better treat them as sacred. You know what I'm scared for for the church today? Everything in our life is about convenience. I know it is because some of y'all cook in a microwave. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing you. I had a flood three years ago. I haven't had a kitchen for three years because we've been slowly putting it back together. I could cook you a four course meal out of a toaster oven. I'm going to write a cookbook, I think, when it's over, how to cook a fourth course meal out of a toaster oven. I had a toaster oven, a coffee pot, and an Instapot, and a microwave. And I can cook you anything you want to have. But even in all those words, I talked about an Instapot. What's an Instapot? Some of y'all have Instapot religion. You don't want to pray, and you don't want to fast, and you don't want to read your Bible. You just want to come church and feel good. You just want to come in and get a blessing real quick. It don't work like that, Kohath Uzzah. 
don't taste the same either, does it? See, see what, I, what, what makes me interested about this is, is some of you parents have to be careful. Don't ever say to your children, get up, honey, it's Sunday. We got to go to church. You don't have to come to church. Your pastor's not, I'm not going to hunt you down. You need to teach your children. These are the things of God. Get up, get up, get up. We have to go to church. I'll tell you what, my mama, if I, if I never hear the birdie with the yellow bill song again. Anybody know the birdie with the yellow bill? My mama would come into my room, birdie with Sunday morning. I'm not a morning person, but just FYI. Birdie with a yellow bill hopped up on my windowsill and cocked his shiny eye and said, Ooh, a widow sleepy head. He slapped his wings and away he flew, saying, Don't be late for Sunday school. I don't know where that bird was. I wish I could find that bird. But I was never late for Sunday school. And today I'm teaching you the word that has been studied. It's in my heart because my mama said, we get to go to church. This is the most exciting day. Your kids have to go to school, but you need to tell them we get to go to the house of the Lord. We get to praise the Lord. We get to hear the word of the Lord. See, when you tell them different, you're telling them that it's okay to use a borrowed wagon. And a borrowed wagon may cost them their life. Borrowed wagon might be a Judas relationship with Jesus. Around him, know him, feel him, touch him, but never believe in him. Sell him. What's easy? What's cheap? What's convenient? We have to be careful that the age of this world doesn't creep into our spirit. I don't know why I felt to do this tonight, but let me just say this. A well is work. We can rejoice about what comes out of the well. We can rejoice about the life, but to get that out of there is work. You got to bring your bucket. You got to lower your bucket. You got to lift your bucket. You got to carry your bucket home. You may have to come back a few times until you get enough to sustain you and sustain your family. This is work. This is digging it out of the word. This is reading the word and listening to the word and sharing the word and praying the word and living the word and talking the word. I pastored for 25, going on 26 years. I can tell you the victory stories, but I can tell you a lot of sad stories. I can tell you about a lot of oozes. I watched a lot of oozes. <sighs> Broke my heart because their mama. See, I, I really, I really want to kick a Benadad. Can I kick him a little bit? Because he was the daddy of the tribe of Kohath. Why didn't you teach your sons? Why did when, when that wagon came in the yard, you said, what is that doing here? Get that out of this yard. That doesn't belong to us. That's borrowed. We can't do anything with that. You're going to bear this on your shoulders, son. You get your shoulder under that stave. I mean, come on, people. The ark had rings in the side of it. What was that for? wasn't a decorative element. Why didn't somebody stop it? Why didn't somebody say, can I just tell you, you cannot say it enough to your family. 
You cannot speak it enough to your family. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love him with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. You cannot say enough that God is one, that God is your Savior. Did my kid hate me? I told him too much about Jesus than to die beside the ark, to die in the presence of God, to die touching things that you don't need to touch. He said, you can't. This was, this, this, thou, don't touch it, you shall die. That was pounded into the tribe of Kohath. Because I had somebody one time say, well, you don't know that Uzzah knew. Uzzah knew. Amenadab knew. They knew. You know how I know they knew? Because later on after he died, they did it the right way. Somebody knew. You've got to, parents, teach them what is salvation. Teach them how to talk about things. Teach them how to think. Teach them to love the things of God. Yes, they're going to tell you they don't want to go to Sunday school. You don't give in to anything else they want to do. Why would you give in to that? I'm trying not to meddle. I feel a meddle in spirit. Okay, I'm going to meddle. Didn't fight that one very hard, did I? Please, please, I'm not against anything like that, but, but please be careful about letting your children participate in every sport. Like that's the most important thing in the world, but youth service or Sunday school is not. See, see, what I see when I look out here, I see an army of women. I want to know where was Uzzah's mama? Where was the mama that said, what you boys think you're doing? What, what, what is this? I, I, listen, I would come out of there with a torch. Burning it. I'm going to burn this thing to the ground. It's a borrowed wagon, mama. Yeah, well, I'm burning it to the ground because we don't bring wagons on our property. Wagons can kill us. You got to have that kind of spirit in you. As a mama, you got to pick up the torch. You got to say, not in my house, not in my marriage, not for my children. I don't even have time to get into it, but I have a whole message about the armor of God that I speak. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against what? Oh, the wiles of the devil. Yes. We're on guard. Got him. Got him in my sight. I don't know if y'all can put it up there. Ephesians 6, 13. Can you throw it up there real quick? Because see, y'all skip through this one. Y'all love 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. You love that when y'all pray that one. Whoo, y'all fight the devil. You got the devil. The devil is bound up in a headlock in your house. You got him taken. But Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 restates it again. Put on, if you can't, don't worry about it, but I, I threw this one at you. I still to do it. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand... In the evil day. See, some of you are so focused on 611 and fighting the devil, you've allowed the evil day to sneak in behind you. Some, can I just meddle again? Some of you are paying the evil day 
to babysit your kids. Come on, Netflix. Come on, YouTube. I'm never, I'm sorry. I just feel in my spirit, we have got to get a hold of our homes. We got to get a hold of some of this. We're, we're fighting the spirit world on one hand. We got the enemy down, but the enemy said, that's fine. I'm going to keep your attention focused on me, but I'm going to send the evil of the day. I'm going to send the ideology of today. I'm going to send all of that against your children. Your children go to school and you sometimes can't control that. But can I tell you, you ought to be, when your kid comes home, you ought to say, what did you learn today? Oh, Mom, I don't want to talk about it. You tell me everything you learned today. I want to see every bit of it. And if you don't agree with it, you march yourself right up to that school. Get your pitchfork and your torch. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get, FBI's going to come and get me. Don't know what I'm talking about, though? That's what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare is not just saying, well, Jesus will take care of it. Jesus said, I gave you the power to take care of it. I gave you my name. I told you what to do. I've told you the enemy. I've warned you of his tactics. I've warned. If you don't know that we're in the last days, you better shake yourself and you better wake up and you better quit trying to carry the word of God with convenience and do the things of God with convenience. You need to be released in authority. was their history. This was their lineage. Somebody speak up. Somebody in the tribe of Kohath, speak up. Nobody said stop. This is the saddest story to me. Nobody said, we can't do it like this. David, it's wrong. No, stop. Nobody ran to stop. And somebody lost their life. And it's not God's fault. Because he didn't give you that wagon. You went and borrowed it. And it's not God's fault. Because he told you, be careful how you handle and touch certain things. They matter. God wants to raise up an army of apostolic women. I believe if we could just get the women, just think about this, the women of the United Pentecostal Church and the Apostolic Church and the ALJC, anybody apostolic, believes in one God, believes in, if we could just get them to begin to walk in the spiritual authority that God has given them. Hell trembles at the thought because the Timothy gave you power in your home. You're the keeper of your home. You know what that word means? You're the guard. You're the watchman on the wall. You know what the watchman, he didn't sleep. He watched. And if he saw something coming, he yelled really loud or blew a horn. Hey! See, some of you, the enemy, you're asleep, and the enemy's creeping into your territory, and he's taking things. No, your children may not like you very much a little bit when you say, no, no, stop, the end, that's out. When you burn down some of their borrowed wagons, they're not going to be real happy with you. But if you save a life, if you take your child and you make them anointed for the kingdom, useful for the kingdom, you teach them the right way to do it, I promise you. Something's going to happen.
Jesus said in Luke 9, 13, if any man comes after me, he will deny himself. That's not convenient. Take up his cross. Where? Not around his neck. On his back. And follow me. Some of you in this room, I'm here to burn your bottle right here. Some of you are dependent on your pastor's wife's prayer life. This has recently happened to me, and I've picked it up like a, a banner. I marched with it. I was at a conference, and I came off the platform, and this woman came to me, and she said, Sister Burton, I need you to pray for Ania, son, I can't remember, son, daughter, something, uh, one of her children. And it was just like something in the spirit came over me. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, well, how are you praying for them? And this is no, this is no joke. She went. What? Well, hold on. How, how are you praying for them? She hadn't been praying for him. She, so she wanted to come and go, will you, will you pray for me? Will you, will you pray? Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. I'm going to go watch Netflix while you pray for my kid. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, the Bible says where two of you agree touching anything, it shall be done. I will agree with how you pray. So how are you going to pray? She didn't have a clue. I said, well, I got time. We'll just stand here and wait. It took her a little while. I didn't go anywhere. I was just looking at her. I said, well, well, uh, well, she finally came out with something. I said, okay, that's how you're going to pray? Now let's agree. I took her hand, and I simply said, in Jesus' name, you said where two of you agree is touching anything, it shall be done. I pray and agree with my sister's prayer right now. Quit dropping your prayers on your pastor's wife and your pastor like they're supposed to carry them for you. That's your prayer request. They can agree with you. They don't need to pray. Their prayer request list can't be so long. They can't get other things done. So I have a, a prayer request list on my phone somewhere. And if you ask me, I'll say, what are you praying? I'll add the name. I'll add what you're praying. I do not pray through that. You know what I do? I lay my hand on it and say, in Jesus' name, right now, I agree with everything that these person, people have asked me to agree with. I agree with their prayers. Because if you're not praying, if you just want a convenient prayer, you want God to do something for your children, then you be the one to intercede for them. You be the one to take authority over them. You just need somebody else to agree with you. You don't need them to carry your prayer request for you. I don't like you, Sister Burton. You need to go back to Tennessee. I'm freeing every pastor's wife in here. They need to pray for the lost. They need to pray for souls. They need to pray for revival. They need to pray against government. They need to pray principalities and power prayers. But how can you pray principality and power prayers when you're praying 40,000 prayer requests in your church prayers? They don't have enough time in their day for it. But I'm going to tell you what, if it's your need, then you need to take it as your need. You need to not borrow a wagon. I'm not going to borrow your prayer life, pastor's wife. I've got my own. I'm going to bear it on my shoulders. And God's going to do something because I ask. Some of you have not because you have not asked. 
even know, do you even know what you want to happen in your prayer? I feel like I'm teaching turning point people here. They're, they're like, oh, Lord, thank God she's out of town. This is nitty-gritty stuff. But can I tell you something? If you will get this, these just three, couple of three things, your life will turn upside down. God will begin to do things for you. He will open doors for you. He will answer prayers. He will answer your prayers. You have not because you have not asked. That's well. That's well gospel. Bring your bucket and dig. Bring your bucket and get down there. Get, bring your bucket and you, when you carry your bucket from the well, mama, it ain't light. They didn't have no cart. They put it on their shoulder or they put it on their head, which Lord knows that couldn't have done that. But they put it on their shoulder. They carried that all the way home. And they went to the well a couple of times a day often. In the morning and the evening, for sure they did, because they had to have fresh water through the night. They couldn't run out of water. Can I just tell you something? Some of you don't even go to prayer one time, much less go to the well twice. It's a borrowed wagon. How many of you have prayed for your pastor this week? How many of you have prayed for healing if you need healing? You don't need your pastor to pray for you. Go in your cupboard and get you some olive oil. Slap it on your forehead, lay your hand on your head and say, I am commanding this body to be well right now. I have the authority by the word of God to pray it. I want you delivered from this crutch of needing somebody else's wagon to tote your anointing or needing somebody else's wagon to pray your prayer request. If you ever receive the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. You don't need anybody else's Holy Ghost. You need the one gift that God has designed for you. Come on, musicians, give them some hope. Give y'all some hope that I'm not going to beat you up anymore. Singers, come on. I feel an unction in the spirit, though. There is an unction. Your conference is the well. You know, they didn't have a lot of parties at the well. Because the well was work. Digging the well was hard work. I read one time where Jacob went to a well, tried to uncover it, got run off, went to another well, went to another well, went to another well, went to another well. He kept getting run off from his wells. He just kept going finding new ones and dig. Some of you, if you got run off one time, you'd never try again. That's a borrowed wagon gospel. God is asking somebody in this room, you, how much do you want me? How much do you love me? Not what you need from me, but what I've already told you. Do you, do you honor my word? Do you love my word? Are you willing to put it on your shoulders and bear it? It may be hard. It may be hot. You may get tired. You may get weary. But does anybody love it that I want us to lift our hands in this room right now. I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost right here. Come on, if you if you if you have an anointing to pray, I want you to begin to pray right now.
Oh, come on, that's it, that's it. Burn that wagon, burn it, burn it to the ground. Oh, he's asking, do you love me more than everything else? Do you love me more than your convenience? That's it, that's it. Somebody right now, I want you to stand. I want you to make your way to this front. That's your first step. That's your first thing of saying, God, I'll bear whatever you ask me to bear. I love you more than anything, God. Somebody's saving their children's life just by stepping out. Your children right there because you're burning that wagon. You're not going to let them do it anymore. Come on, let him break the yoke. Let him break it right there. Somebody's marriage. They need you to burn the wagon right now.
Come on, if you want depression and you want oppression broken off, you got to burn some wagons. If you want healing and deliverance, just burn some wagons. 